Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. My name is Martha. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi, Martha. I'm very glad to see you. Very glad to be here. There are folks I haven't seen in a long time. I'm uh, very conscious that this is being recorded. I don't know that I've ever had that happen in a, at a meeting before, um, but I don't speak for OA as a whole or this particular group. I'm, I'll tell my story as best I can as I understand it today. Um, I thought I would spend just a little bit of time qualifying because I think it um, sort of sets the stage for for some of the things I'll say later about my spiritual journey. Uh, I consider that I was a compulsive overeater at a very early age. Um, some of my very earliest memories are about um, like looking for food and eating things that I thought were food that that weren't or that weren't human food. Um, I remember finding a bouillon cube and thinking it was candy because it was wrapped in shiny paper and boy was I surprised. <laughs> um, you know, I must have been three, but anything that I saw that I wanted or thought was food just went in, in my mouth and uh, including, I remember seeing a fork that I thought had peanut butter on it. It was actually cat food. Um, so, it, you know, and it was shocking. I mean, I can see people's reaction, but of course that didn't stop me from continuing to put things in my mouth compulsively for another 30 plus years. Um, I did get overweight starting at about age eight. Um, and by the time I was a preteen, I was 50, 60 pounds overweight. Um, um the the that particular year was the year my grandfather died and uh the year I started getting gaining weight that it really showed and I think there's been a connection with big feelings and things that I didn't know how to manage uh emotionally um always with with the eating some of it was just habit and you know, I don't know what made me a compulsive overeater, but as far as turning to the food for solace or comfort or entertainment or to try to treat boredom or unhappiness or whatever, um, started early and persisted. And paralleling that was um, a getting a diet mentality. I was put on my first diet by a doctor when I was 11. And and from age 11 to age 41, when I got into OA, I was on a diet. I was either on it, coming off of it, thinking about it, but mostly I was uh, thinking about food and weight and eating and restricting I don't think it's an exaggeration to say every day for 30 solid years. And my pattern of eating was grazing, that I, you know, I would eat a meal and then I would eat 
eat until the next meal and then I would have another meal and I would eat some more until the next meal and then I would eat until I went to bed at night. And, uh, I, you know, that, that was my life. Um, I uh, worked in hospitals for part of my career and I would spend the night, and I often worked at night, and I would spend the night going from refrigerator to refrigerator because there's always, you know, sweet things and treats and for, you know, jello or whatever for sick people, and it's there and it's free and there's no locks on the refrigerator. And I would just, but my job was stressful and I didn't feel that I could get through a night without eating compulsively. Um, and one of, I made some notes, and one of the things I wrote down a minute ago was uh, was suicidal. That I had a suicide plan. That every day for a long time, I would think about running my car into the um, like the median divider on the freeway. Uh, and I didn't realize that I was suicidal until years later. It was, but I had a lot of despair, a lot of unhappiness, and just sort of angst. And um, so at the age of 41, I um, hit bottom with another addiction, and the people who I turned to were people that I knew were in 12-step programs because they had talked about it. And um, the, this one particular pair of women that were roommates, um, I went to talk to them and uh, they had just gotten into OA. They were in other 12-step programs, but both of them had just gotten into OA and they gave me all this literature to read. And I realized reading it that my first addiction was to food. And I also remember that night, um, one of them offered to go with me to a meeting, which she did. And she also asked me if I believed in God. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything, any of this? You know, drug addiction, overeating, overweight, food fixation, body obsession, you know. But I sort of thought that I should say yes. So I, you know, gulped and said, yeah, I guess so, or whatever. I mean, I hadn't thought about it in a really long time. I'd grown up in, I grew up in the South in sort of a religious uh, household, off and on. Uh, when I was really little, my parents didn't practice any religion. But as they got older and I got older, they did. And there was a lot of fundamentalism around me. And uh, as a kid, I did that same thing. I pretended that I believed what other people believed because it was sort of, I don't know, I, I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be like other people or what, whatever. And I remember having a, a teacher whose 
uh, you know, grade school teacher whose father was a minister, and once she asked the children in the class what their favorite kind of music was, and I said that I liked religious music. I mean, just, you know, it was just kissing up. You know, it was like, you know, she gives me my report card. She must like religious music. I'll say that. So um, I did have a little bit of sort of foxhole, um, you know, back against the wall when the shit hits the fan. Uh, Dear God, get me out of this was uh, was kind of my prayer mantra, whatever. And there were times at work when I was so frightened and overwhelmed that I would, uh, you know, I it seemed like a, in retrospect it seemed like a prayer. It was like, you know, but anyway, um, I didn't. I didn't have any sort of system. I knew I didn't want what my the, what I grew up around. It was fear mongering. It was negative. It was scary. It was oppressive, and uh, I also somehow or another re- related because uh, because it was the deep South. I sort of related it to racism and I, I don't know. It just it was all tangled up, and I couldn't wait to get out of there and somewhere else. And um, so I ended up in California, where I felt much more comfortable. And um, and I have have been drawn to various other systems. Uh, there are things about Judaism that I'm very drawn to. There are things about Buddhism that I'm I'm very drawn to. And I sort of like philosophy, and I've read a lot of particularly Eastern philosophy. And um, so I'll say a little bit about working the steps and how, you know, how things have evolved over time. So I'm 73. I've been in OA 32 years. And... um, Again, it's not an exaggeration to say that I went from eating all essentially all day long every day for 41, 41 years, because I got here at 41, um, to eating three meals a day and nothing in between almost all those 32 years. Nowadays, in the beginning, I was so obsessive and so rigid that, you know, not a bite would touch, you know, cross my lips other than my three meals. And some of that was the diet mentality gone wild or sort of, you know, supercharged by having a support system and a different way of looking at things. Uh, And I... You know, I certainly wouldn't take a grape at the grocery store or a crumb of, you know, a bakery or whatever. And I did, my very first food plan was three meals a day, no sugar, no caffeine, no uh, sugar substitutes, and one other thing, I forget. And I stayed with that, I'd say, for 20 plus years um 
I think I drove the people I lived with a little bit crazy because there was nothing that I would change that for. And now if I'm going to have a very late dinner or I'm also on a medication that I have to take with food, I will have a snack. You know, I didn't do it for years and years and years and years, but it doesn't feel compulsive. It feels like this is sort of the same thing to do rather than this very um, clear and in some ways supportive plan. And um, I didn't do that, go from eating all day every day to eating three meals a day on my own willpower. I don't know what made it possible. I had dieted a lot. I had lost weight many, many times because I could diet for a few weeks or a few days or a few months. And I did some pretty weird ones, um, but it never was sustained. And I was always thinking about food and myself and what I looked like and what I weighed and how many calories I'd eaten that day. It's a wonder I could walk around because I was so busy calculating uh, and thinking about what other people thought of me and what I looked like. And it, you know, the, the, the literature, the AA literature talks about bondage of self and there was a, a lot of bondage in that. And, the, and you know, it's sort of ironic that I was so rejecting of this, this you know, kind of rigid religion and then I ad adapted this very rigid system of my own. Uh, but one of the things about um, kind of looking at other people and, and sort of know, and hearing what they believe in and then seeing what their lives are like, I remember thinking that a lot of the people I grew up with were really miserable and that their religion didn't seem to make them happy. Now, there were exceptions. There were people that just sort of lit up and they seemed to love people and they were generous and they were you know, nice to be around. But the majority of folks were really unhappy, didn't get along well with other people, and uh, a lot of them seemed extremely hypocritical. And I think kids can see through that. You know, if somebody says one thing and does the opposite, it's, you know, there's kid radar for that kind of stuff. And I was very aware of it. Uh, and that some of the teachings, which were kind of supposed to be inclusive, did, it didn't play out that way. And uh, so anyway, um, one of the things I really liked when I got into 12-step was that people would say God and shit in the same sentence mm -hmm. or God and fuck in the same <laughs> sentence. It was like, okay, these people are real. You know, there may be there may be wording that I don't like. You know, I got here a long time ago, and there wasn't any OA literature. All we had was the AA literature, and we changed some, the, you know, the word alcohol to food. But and some people, I think, were not saying him even uh, even back then. I mean, it was Berkeley and Oakland where I came in, but. Uh, but, you know, we didn't have the literature that we had now. 
but we did have each other and people had their their own sensibilities and their own belief systems and their own personalities and I liked the irreverence I liked um, you know, I liked that people were real and that I didn't see that hypocrisy and I didn't hear it. And I'll, although I'm sure it's there and there is some of it, it but it, 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 and also people did laugh and laugh at themselves and seem warm. And um, eventually I got secure enough that I could, you know, really talk about what I what I believed at the time or didn't believe at the time and could get real with myself. And um, it's not that I don't eat compulsively. It's not that I don't ever, and it's not that I don't think about food or sometimes use food as a drug, but I have had so many changes. For one thing, all those 30 years of dieting, my weight went up and down so many times. I mean, I, I, I can't count how many times I changed dress sizes or, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, if people were taking pictures, I remember like hiding behind somebody else or a piece of furniture or something I didn't want to be scene and I didn't know if my clothes were going to fit and you know I've been basically the same weight ever since I got abstinent in the first few weeks and months and I think it again it was dieting in the beginning but eventually it became abstaining that I wanted to to not compulsively eat because I wanted to be clear I wanted to be present I wanted to be alive I'd had some health problems related to overeating. I almost killed myself a few times, not intentionally, by eating so fast that I choked and you know couldn't breathe. And I, um, and you know I did have ulcers and you know a lot of GI and gastrointestinal ailments due to being overweight. Uh, and and eating the way I ate and eating spoiled food and moldy food and food out of the garbage and food off the floor and food off other people's plates because I couldn't stop I couldn't not if I when I was in the compulsion I couldn't not do it and I embarrassed myself and I could have easily made myself very sick but I had the compulsion and it has been lifted so uh, on many 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 days it comes back and that's one of the beauties of this program is it's not like a drug I can put down and just not go into those places anymore or associate with those people anymore or whatever I gotta I gotta eat for the rest of my life and so I gotta have a way of dealing with big feelings that come up and um, somebody mentioned before the meeting I I have a, a new granddaughter and uh, I want to be alive as long as I can um, for myself and for the family and I want to be there 
I, when I'm with somebody, I want to be present. And when I'm in a food fog or worried about what I just ate or what I'm going to eat for dinner, I'm not really in my day or in my life. And uh, so that was one minute, right? I'll just say I have a lot of concepts of higher power. They are, like the reading said, the collective consciousness. Something changed me, and it's the community, it's the collective, uh, it's Mother Nature. You know, I believe in a lot of stuff I can't see, like black holes, evolution. (laughs) So uh, I'm really glad to be here, and I want to I want to hear what you all have to say. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.